Well, several years ago, in fact, 12 years ago now, I think it is, or yes, 12 years ago, um, I came on an Alpha Day as, uh, as an explorer, really, uh, if you like, um, just like this one. And at some point, I was, I was invited to pray, to ask Jesus into my life and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the time, I wasn't a committed Christian or a regular churchgoer. And perhaps like one or two of you, something had drawn me on the Alpha course, and there I was, six or seven weeks into the course, finding myself on the day away, being invited to kind of take a step of faith. I couldn't see what lay ahead. Um, perhaps that was just as well, if I know I was going to become a vicar. <laughs> I didn't know all the answers. I had some of them, but not all of them. But I knew that if I was really going to find out what it means to have a Christian faith, in other words, be a follower of Jesus, then I would have to get off the fence and ask him to come and be Lord of my life. There was no other, no other option, really. So I asked him to come in and to fill me with his Holy Spirit, and he did. And I'm so glad that he did, because it's transformed my life in many wonderful ways. There was once a teacher in a classroom of children, um, teaching RE, and the teacher said to the class, who believes in God? And uh, some of the hands went up and went down again. And, and then the teacher said, who believes in Jesus? And some of the hands went up and some of the hands went down again. And then the teacher said, and who believes in the Holy Spirit? And there was a sort of puzzled silence and no hands went up. Why is that? For much of church history, in fact, the, the Holy Spirit has been perhaps misunderstood, ignored, um, and there are possibly some good reasons for that. Um, perhaps the old translations, for example, called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, which perhaps sounded a little bit spooky. Um, uh, had r- people attached the idea of ghosts with supernatural evil, not, not supernatural good, obviously. Um, but of course, Christianity is supernatural. God who cre- the God who created the universe out of nothing is supernatural. The God who raised his son from the dead is supernatural, obviously. Must be. You know, some people have been known in the past to say, cool, we don't want anything supernatural happening in our church. Which is a bit like saying we don't really want God in our church, isn't it? If you think about it, that's ridiculous. But the Holy Spirit's also been resisted. I heard a story about a, a, a new Christian who'd come to faith somewhere and they were up in London and they saw a church, walked in through the door, joined the service there. It was perhaps a... Uh, anyway, um, a, and they were very excited about their new faith and, and, and while, the, while they were singing, they were, they were, they were um, lifting their hands and saying, Alleluia, and, and they were really thrilled with their new faith. And the, uh, the old church warden walked up, tapped her on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, madam, we don't have any of that in here. <laughs> And, uh, and she said, but I'm so excited. I've just found my faith. I'm so excited. And the old church warden said, well, you certainly didn't find it in here. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit has been ignored, resisted, and misunderstood. But in fact, the Holy Spirit is not only very real today, but goes right back to the beginning of the Bible. And in this first 20 minutes, in this next 20 minutes, we're going on a journey 
from the very beginning of the Bible to the very end, although we will miss out one or two pages in between. Um, So let's um, turn to the very first verse of the Bible, um, Genesis chapter 1. The third person of what we call the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was also involved in creation. Let's let's look at um, verse 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit is a creative spirit. And... And I think just as the Holy Spirit was, if you like, hovering over the waters at the very beginning of everything, so the Holy Spirit kind of hovers in, around us in our lives, waiting for us to, or, or waiting to be invited into people's lives. Um, the Holy Spirit breathed, if we read on, the Holy Spirit breathed the, the breath of life um, into um, Adam. And, uh, and as we move through the Old Testament, it's very interesting, the Holy Spirit comes upon particular people in particular places for particular purposes. So if you just turn on to page 90, um, that's um, Exodus chapter 31, it's page 90 in our Bibles. We're going to look at how the Holy Spirit touches the lives of some of the um, characters in the Old Testament. And this first one is Exodus 31, and it's a chap called Bezalel. And... um, If we read from the first verse of chapter 31, we see that it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of crafts. And so, in, in this particular example, the Holy Spirit is, comes upon someone to inspire them for creative art. Um, and, and, of course, over the years, there have been fantastic um, artists, composers, I think we think of Handel and Bach, who are people of, who, who are men of faith, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the most beautiful um, music to the glory of God. So... There's one example of the Holy Spirit's work in someone's life, in this case, to inspire someone for artistic work. Um, If we turn on to, um, we'll leap ahead a bit to page 248, and we're going to look at a man called Gideon. It's page 248. And um, we're going to look at chapter 6, but verse 14, starting at 14 and 15. And in this, Gideon... um, Who's, who's an Israelite, Gideon has been chosen by God. The Israelites are under threat by their enemies, is, is the background to this. And uh, God decides to choose um, Gideon to lead them, uh, the Israelites, against their enemies. And this is what Gideon says at, at this point. So, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? What does Gideon say back? He says, pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Gideon's response to God is, 
you're joking. I'm, I'm just a, a, a weed. You know, I'm not the person to do this. And, um, but if we read on to verse 34, which is on the right-hand page, about halfway down the first column, verse 34, what happens? Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. And the long and the short of it is that Gideon goes on to win a great victory for Israel against their enemies. So he, what, Gideon is given courage by the Holy Spirit. He's, his position to begin with is, God, I'm not up to this. I couldn't possibly do this. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden he has great courage. And, he, and, and Israel, he goes on to lead Israel, become a great leader, in fact, and, and win a great victory for Israel. Okay, let's move on a bit to page, just a, a few pages on, to page 259, and we're going to look at uh, Samson. Um, quite, a, quite a few people are familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah. And uh, so we're on page 259. And the backdrop to this is that Samson has been captured and tied up and the Philistines are bearing down on him, and they have only one intention, and that is to kill him and murder him. And um, we're in Judges 15 and chapter 14. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him, shouting, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. And so... The Holy Spirit came upon Samson at that critical moment, gave him supernatural strength, and he broke the bonds um, and, uh, and got away from the Philistines. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting that as often as we read the Old Testament, what we see in the Old Testament happening in, a, in the physical realm, we can see today happening in people's lives in a, in, in a different way, in, in, a, in a, perhaps a, a spiritual realm or a, or, a, or a psychological realm or so on. Because, because today the Holy Spirit comes upon people and frees them from different kinds of bondage. Um, and we'll, I'll, I'll talk about that a bit, a bit later on. Um, many people ha- are addicted to different things. Um, many people suffer from all sorts of, of disorders due to low esteem and so on. And there are so many wonderful stories of of people finding faith, being filled by the Holy Spirit, and being released of those um, bonds, if you like. Okay, let's move on to page 749. That's a big jump um, into Isaiah the prophet. That's uh, more than halfway through. And uh, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 61, um, going from the first verse. Um, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is Isaiah the prophet speaking. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up brokenhearted, the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And what, really what Isaiah says here, in, really in verse 1, is that the spirit of the sovereign Lord has come and filled Isaiah, and that has given him the ability to bring God's good news, to, to, to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. So he, it, 
the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to, to share good news with others. And then if we turn on again to page 868, we're going to look at um, Ezekiel. One of the things that, that I found when I, um, after I came to faith, I was still in business and, um, um, and I, was, I was running at the UK office and I had a sort of professional relationship with, with everybody in the, in the, in the office. Um, but, uh, but up to that point, I hadn't really, um, you know, it was a normal professional relationship um, where I did appraisals and set, tar- you know, gave people targets and checked whether they were doing the right things and tried to help them to do better and so on. But I hadn't really got any deeper than that. And one of the things that I found after I came to faith was that I found, when people became aware that I had a faith, that I found employees started to come and share their, the things they were struggling with in life. Um, there was one woman who, um, we used to get really, really angry when she was given an assignment to go anywhere, and um, she never explained why she was, why she was so angry. Um, and, um, and people used to sort of just make a big wide circle around her. She was a very, very angry person. And, um, and then what, sometime after I came to faith, she came into my office and, when we were talking and, and, and she just spilled the beans. And she said, you know, she said, the, she said, the problem is, she said, I'm terrified of flying. And, and you keep sending me on these projects where I have to fly to Ireland, I have to fly to thing, And I'm absolutely petrified of it. That's why. And, and it was a wonderful thing that people opened, what I found was that people opened up and, um, and I was able to, to, to help them and, and share good news, if you like, with them. And, uh, and, and I was able to, to change things around so that um, her life was better and all of our lives were better. Ezekiel, page 868, we said. Um, we're looking at chapter 36 and verses 26 and 27. And what happens here is that Isaiah and Ezekiel and, and, and Joel, we're going to look at in a moment, these, these are people who are known as the prophets. And as we go through the Old Testament, we get towards, we work through the, the, these prophetic people who spoke about what God was going to do in the future. Um, it became apparent that God was going, at some point in the future, was going to do something really, really special. And it concerned the Holy Spirit. And so here's Ezekiel chapter 36 and verses 26 and 27. And God, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And I will put my spirit in you. And this is a general prophecy. So this is, there's a, there's a sense that sometime in the future, the Spirit is going to be given to more people than just particular people for particular, place, particular times. And, uh, and this builds up. And if we turn to page 914, we're going to look at the prophet Joel, 914, and verse 28, uh, sorry, chapter 2, and verse 28. And afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so this is, again, a much even clearer indication that there is a future date at some point that God is going to pour out his spirit on many more people. Um, and, um, and, and as, as we just re- read in Ezekiel, that's going to do something to people. I will put a heart, give them a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. It's going to change their hearts from being hard hearts to being soft hearts. And, uh, and, and that's another, another of my experiences of, of, of coming to faith myself, was that, was, was that whereas before I was very much looking out for myself and didn't really um, have very much time for, for, for others... Um, I found, um, after I found faith, I found myself getting involved going out and helping the homeless with the, with the sandwich and the soup run because, because my heart had been softened towards people who, in, in need. I went and did some work for um, an, a, a, um, a charity called the Beeson Foundation in London which um, gives food and clothes and, and uh, furniture and all kinds of things, a bit like CCA here in Reading. Um, to deprive families in London and, and, and so on. And, and it, wasn't, um, it wasn't because I was trying to earn points. It was simply God had changed my heart. And instead of just, just thinking about myself, um, I started to think about others. And, um, and that's the work of the Spirit in our lives. So we've had this, prophet, we've had this prophecy from Joel that one day the, the Spirit is going to be poured out on all people. And, um, but there was to be a very long wait because that's the last reference we're going to look at in the Old Testament at this, this time. We're going to flick on to the New Testament, page 1025. And what we're looking at now is we're going to look at the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And what happens is that around the events of the birth of Jesus, there is suddenly a dramatic increase in the activity of the Holy Spirit. So if we look at, first of all, with John the Baptist, if we look at uh, Luke 1, chapter, uh, sorry, Luke 1, verse 15, um, this is um, where the angel is a, has appeared to um, uh, John, the John the Baptist's parents, <laughs> um, um, to um, predicting that he's going to be born. And this is what he says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So the first thing is, is, is the announcement that John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And then we move on to over the page, just one page over, to verse 35. And in, this is the angel has appeared to Mary um, to tell her about the impending birth of Jesus. And the angel answered in verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is involved in the birth of Jesus. And then if you just uh, look further on down the page at verse 41, um, the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, um, Mary's cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's great activity around, of the Holy Spirit around the birth of Jesus. Then on, on the right-hand page, 1027, um, where it says Zechariah's song, um, 
His father, this is John the Baptist's father, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So one after another after another, all of them are being around the birth of Jesus, are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if we uh, turn over the page again into chapter 3, John links the Holy Spirit with Jesus. So in chapter 3 and verse 16, which is on the right-hand side, John the Baptist says to um, the, the people around him, he was, he was there at the Jordan baptizing people, and he says to the people around him, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So there's a prediction here by John the Baptist that Jesus is going to not just baptize people with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And then if we turn over one more page again, um, we come to Jesus' temptations in the wilderness, where the devil tempts him in the wilderness. And and, and Jesus, the the background to this is that Jesus goes through all the temptations, resists them um, by using words of scripture to, to resist the devil. And he comes out of that, it says in verse 14, chapter 4, verse 14, at the top of page 1031. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. And so the Holy Spirit begins to empower Jesus' ministry and of course very soon he was healing people, he was performing miracles. That was all the the work of the Holy Spirit in him. So that's uh, um, 4.14. And then um, if you look just down a little bit Uh, further on down the page to verse 18, Jesus acknowledges this by saying, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and so on. Well, we just heard that earlier, didn't we? Jesus quotes the prophecy from Isaiah that we looked at earlier and says, that prophecy that you heard, or that was written down 500 years ago, that is coming true today because because of me, in me. because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And throughout Jesus' ministry, it's the Holy Spirit who empowers him to, to preach and to teach and to perform um, miracles of healing, to drive out demons and so on. And then just before Jesus, um, he, he's, he, Jesus is crucified, he then rises from the dead, and then just before he ascends back to heaven... Um, if we look at one, if we move on a bit to 1092, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which is the, the story of, of how the church, after Jesus ascends back to heaven, how the church starts up and, and how the early church um, grows. Um, so 1092, Acts chapter 1, first of all, verses 4 and 5. This is Jesus is with his disciples just before he returns to his Father in heaven. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is promising his disciples that in in a very short space of time, just a few days, they will all be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then if we look across onto the right-hand page, there's great anticipation, but if we look across onto the right-hand page, the long-awaited event finally happens. Acts 2, 
chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the Holy Spirit fills all of them. And there were, there were 120 of them or, 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 or more. Um, and all of them were filled by the, with the Holy Spirit. And what's the effect of that? Well, um, it's interesting. If you look at verse 7, chapter 2, verse 7, they were amazed, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? There was obviously something really, really dramatic happened because the crowds... The, the, the people around were looking at these disciples who had been filled with the Holy Spirit and couldn't understand what was going on. It was, it was something quite dramatic. In verse 12, um, again, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Um, in verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So it was, it was so dramatic, this filling of the Holy Spirit, that to some people, they actually appeared drunk. But of course, they weren't drunk. Um, Peter, the Peter um, who's quite a rock-solid guy, stands up to explain what's happened. And in verse 16, uh, on that right-hand column, um, in fact, verse 15, Peter points out that these people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. How can they be? And verse 16 says, no, this is, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In other words, and he's now quotes that, again, that prophecy we read earlier from the prophet Joel. This is it. This is, this is the moment. God has poured out his spirit um, for all people, just as Joel had predicted that he, will, that he would. And from then on, verse 22, Peter stands up in front. The huge crowd has gathered now in Jerusalem because there's such a kerfuffle going on. Peter stands up and he explains to them the whole story of, of the gospel, if you like, of, of, of Jesus, who he is, and, and so on. From fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. And so he goes on and he explains um, who Jesus is and what this is all about. And if we turn over one more page and we look at verses uh, 38 and 39, uh, in fact, we'll, we'll I'll start, start at 37, because what's happened is um, Jesus has gone right through explaining who Jesus was, the Son of God, and then he said, but guess what? You crucified him to the crowd, more or less. He's saying to the crowd, you know, you called for his crucifixion. And so... Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replies, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. And so... What we realise at the end is that, is that the Holy Spirit is for all people, for all believers, and for all time. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all 
whom the Lord our God will call. The Holy Spirit is promised for every Christian believer who turns to God. So we live in the age of the Spirit. Jesus returned to his Father in heaven and left us the Holy Spirit, sent his Holy Spirit, and we live in the age of the Spirit. 